Hello and welcome to another episode of Sit With Us. Now, before you ask why things are sounding a little bit different, I'm producer Blake and I am just jumping on to introduce this very special bonus episode of Sit With Us. So if you don't know, Dom and Ella were the hosts of Love Acts this year, and this episode is just a little sneak peek of what they got up to. The girls sat with a panel hosted by Dr. Christopher Fox and answered questions alongside sex educator Eleanor Hadley, sexologist Bridget Scholes, as well as Michelle Caron, who was also on MAPS. Beyond the MAPS chat, you'll hear conversations about healthy communication, challenging shame, and adjusting to change in relationships. So, I will not hold you back any longer, and now I'm going to let you enjoy this special episode of Sit With Us. Welcome everyone, welcome to the panel members. And we're going to open with the first question. Dom, Ella, and Michelle, what was it like being on MAPS? Oh, oh, that's wow. such an open question. Where do we even <laughs> start? <laughs> Maybe we can start with traumatising. <laughs> traumatising on one end and also the best time as well on the other. Like, So yeah. how was it the best time? Let's start with the best time. I think for me, I learnt so much about myself and relationships because we were put into this experiment that was so fast-tracked. Um, and as much as, you know, I guess the experts aren't really experts... I did go out of it with a few great, you know, tips and tricks, I will say. Okay. One tip that you got from it. Look, for me, um, communication. The communication thing was big. And I, I pushed myself to learn and used their, I guess, through their guidance to help with the communication with Jack at that time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ella. Uh, the best, as the in best. The, the best parts of the it. Part. Why was it the best? I think I just had a lot of fun. Like, I really liked my partner who I was with, Mitch, at the time. And we just had a ball. Like, we spent every weekend together when we didn't have to. You know, we had drinks, we went on dates, we went to the beach. And then, obviously, I met Dom in there and, you know, I'd sneak into her room and we'd have a Negroni and play cards. So, that was, yeah, that was why it was the best. Okay. What about for you, Michelle? Well, it was traumatic, um, but the best part for me was I've never lived away from my family ever in my life, and I was 49 years old, and I just, it's the first time I had independence, and so I kind of really liked it. So even though, like, I had a two-bedroom, so I had my own little space, it just felt like I was an adult. Okay, all right. So you talked about the experts on the show. Did they have your interests in mind? No, I wouldn't say. No, no. I think first and foremost, you have to remember that Married at First Sight is an entertainment program. It is for entertainment purposes. They like to create drama because we all talk about it at the drinks cooler in, in the office and, you know, at the, on the sports field, whatever. So I think you need to remember that first and foremost. Um, but I will say, I do think that the experts, particularly Alessandra, she did have some really great tips when it came to sex. Because she's also a, um, a sex ed- educator, yep. yeah. It would also be really obvious, like, when you would get on the couch... It's odd. Um, when you would get on the couch, you would kind of know, like, if they've got a bit of a favourite, and if the couple's going really well, then you'll be on the couch for maybe, like, ten minutes. But then if the couples aren't going very well, they might be on the couch for about an hour, and they'll really, they'll really dig deep and, like, really poke you until someone breaks. 
So that's when you feel like, okay, they probably don't have your best interest at heart because they're intentionally trying to make you have a meltdown. Did you want to add, Michelle? Yeah, no, I think that they didn't. And I think they were fed a lot of information from the producers. So we had different experts to you. So, um, yeah, there was, it was not the best interest. Like, I was meant to go on the show three years before and I pulled out at the last minute because I started dating someone. And they called me and said, do you want to be on the show? We've got the perfect guy. He is absolutely perfect for you. Just like, fuck, they couldn't have picked someone worse. So, no, it wasn't best interest. Okay. So, Dom, you talked about the import, you learned about the importance of communication. I'm going to throw a, a question to Eleanor and, and Bridie. What role does communication play in a relationship? How would you, you talk about communication with people in, in relationship work? Um, I think relation, communication is probably one of the most important aspects of a relationship. It just can't thrive without clear communication. And it sounds like this really kind of dry, boring thing. Just like, oh yeah, communicate. But the more that you understand firstly yourself, the triggers that you have, the things that um, concern you about relationships, your desires, your boundaries, then you can actually bring that to the relationship and understand one another. If you understand yourself first, I think that's a really, really key component. Brighton? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think open and honest communication in a safe space is just a really important for a thriving, healthy relationship. It can can open up uh, spaces for you to explore together as well if you're open and honest about your feelings. So, Bridie, you talk about open and honest communication. How would you explain to the audience what open and honest communication is and, and that idea of creating a safe space? Are you after an example of an open and honest communication? So I think it's really important that you just don't spring communication on your partner. Um, if you've got something that you really want to talk about and it's really important to you, whether it's about sex or your relationship, that you actually pre-book in a time to do that and say, hey, babe or honey, I, I'd like to talk to you. Can we sit down after dinner tonight with the wine and chat for, for 15 minutes? And, um, you know, I'm feeling really vulnerable about this and I just really want to feel heard. And that way you can set the tone for that communication. And I think one of those important things with communication isn't about necessarily us talking, it's about us listening and actually listening to understand what, the, what our partner's talking about. So on Maths each week, you got together, you evaluated your relationship, you decided, you decided whether to stay together or part. Do you think that people in the real world, as opposed to the maths world, should evaluate their relationship like this regularly? It's should evaluate their relationships regularly. I I think so. I mean, it's it's good to check in with your partner from time to time, and um, you know, as we get older, we change, and our priorities change in life. I mean, if you have children or if you get a pet, whatever that may be. So I think it is important, and the. the Children or a pet, or children as pets, or pets. I as mean, children? look, I don't have a child. I have a dog, and I assume that's as, as that's a child. She is my child. That's child. Okay. Um, I clean up her poo and her vomit, so I mean, it's a child. Um, but I like to think that married at first sight puts in 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 the front of everyone's minds because it is such a huge show. Just how important it is to have those conversations in a relationship and how much they can help. And I think as well in maths, you're pushed to communicate if you're having an issue, 
And I think in relationships in the real world and with my experience as of recent with my new partner, it's always been best to just tell him if I'm feeling slightly off just about anything at all. I know that it's really scary and like, obviously communicating is the scariest thing to do, but once you say how you're feeling, it could be the smallest thing, it's never that scary. Like we always come up with this thing in our head that, you know, they're gonna reject what we're gonna say. It's like that fear of rejection. So we avoid the, the conversation, but in maths, it pushes you to do that. And now in the real world, I really do try as uncomfortable as it is to have those conversations. Bridie, um, Eleanor, the idea of evaluating, sitting down and having conversations with your partner, and it doesn't have to be a partner, it could be your friends, you know, evaluating your relationship. How would you talk with, with couples about that? Um, I think it's a constant journey, your relationship, and things change. Lots of things come in and out of your relationship. And so talking to couples about that and sitting down and having an evaluate, a regular evaluation of your relationship, and it might sound really scheduled, but it's actually a really healthy thing to do with each other because your boundaries might change, uh, your wants and desires might change. So it's super important to constantly check in with each other and um, see that you're both, your needs are both being met. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a really big fan of the relationship check-in. Um, and I think that this can be really useful in different scenarios. And when you're in a relationship, if you agree to regularly have a check-in, whether it's monthly or every few months where you create a date night out of it and you make it a really nice thing where you bring up things that need to be discussed in the relationship and maybe that is an ongoing argument or maybe it's like we've been talking about going to Italy for ages but let's actually get together and plan it make a date night out of it and like kind of almost create a little agenda where you're like these are the things that we're going to chat about these are some things that I think we need to work on here are some like desires and goals that I want us to work towards in a relationship so it's not always about let's talk about the fights that we keep having, but more like, let's also talk about how we want to grow in a relationship and doing that regularly. And then kind of having a structure to your date night or your relationship check-in where you also kind of connect. So maybe you brought up some hard conversations that were a little tender. And so afterwards you give each other a massage or you go and do something fun. You play mini golf or something that brings you back together after this check-in, because I think often it can feel like this big, scary, hard thing of like, oh fuck, we need to talk all about the relationship and I'm gonna cry and you're gonna yell and blah, blah, blah. But you have this agreement that it's going to be, I, I wanna hear you and I wanna be heard and we've got that and we're going to come together at the end and we're working towards something. And I really like that idea after the, the relationship check-in, spending some time together doing something fun. And I think picking on the, the conversation you were saying, Don, about having kids and how children, or a pet, and how, how, how our children, um, you know, affect our lives and, and actually become a distraction from our partners. Um, and, and committing time to our relationships. Now, Dom, Ella, what have been your experiences with social media since being on Maths? My God, where do we even start? I, I mean, and no one can prepare you or train you or tell you what to expect when you come off the show. Like, there's no, there's no rule book on how things are going to go down. I, I think the one thing that I learned straight away was you are just open. You've opened yourself to people, uh, you know, thinking that it's okay that they get to judge you because you put yourself on a reality TV show. 
Um, and and that's, that's the big thing as well. Like, yeah. especially as of recent, you know, we've gone through some things recently in the media and it was very much like, you know, you chose to go on a TV show. So it's like you deserve to cop the backlash or you deserve to get online trolling and take. Well, so does that mean now if we go on reality TV that you should assume that you're going to get trolled? Like, I just feel like it's very unfair that people say yeah. that. Yeah, the trolling is real. And I think um, Michelle knows all about it as well with the, you know, the online hate that you can get and just from things that you either said on the show or things you do on socials. Um, I think at the end of the day, you're not going to ever please everyone. So you just have to stay true to yourself. And that's something that Ella and I preach to our followers and on, on our podcast as well is that just you be yourself and as long as you are a kind, compassionate person, I think you can't go wrong in life. Yeah, I kind of got the motto that, like, that's not really my um, business what you think of me. So whatever you think of me is actually not my business. So I don't care. I don't listen to your comments. I don't read them. It's none of my business what you think of me. So what would be the one piece of advice you'd give the audience about you know, healthy, good social media use? I feel like having boundaries is really important. Like during the week or on the weekends, consciously put the phone away and like promise yourself, okay, I'm not gonna go on Instagram or anything after 5 p.m. on like a Sunday night or for the whole day. And you know, if you are with your girlfriends or your partner, whoever it might be, make the effort to just leave the phone face down. So you're really yeah. present. And I think just be aware and conscious of, you know, if you get a comment from Joe Blow who's got two followers and no photos and he's calling you ugly, it's like, well, babe, you know what I mean? Just, I think, take everything with a grain of salt online. Um, it's very easy for people to hide behind an Instagram or a TikTok account and say whatever they want about you and they don't actually know you. And they would also never say it to your face. Exactly. Like, the amount of shit that I've copped online uh, still to this day, no one's ever come up to me in real life and said any of that to my face. I so that's... I, I, I just wanted that. to mention also our families and friends get attacked too. I don't know about yours, but my children got attacked because, especially now when I started OnlyFans, it was just like, your mum's a whore. And I'm just like, kick your mum to the curb. And just like, your whole family and friends get attacked as well. So it's not just us, it's teaching them to be social media aware as well and just ignore it so Eleanor you know Dom and Ella put forth that idea of putting the phone down putting social media down what's your take on healthy social media social media use yeah oh this is such a big topic and I I feel for you because I can imagine how inundated you would get and I, like, even just myself I think that often there is this parasocial relationship that you can have when you have some element of a platform and people can feel as though they know everything about you but you don't know anything about them and it's a really kind of strange balance and it can be really lovely on some ends but kind of awful on other ends of course um, so in terms of healthy social media use I think it's also being um, a really conscious consumer yourself and sort of treating people the way that you would expect to be treated and so you know anybody here anybody listening who is active on socials think about the way that you're showing up and how that might be received as well. But it's also just really remembering, and I know everyone says it, but it's a highlight reel. Often it's a highlight reel and not everybody's sharing everything. And you also don't have to share everything about yourself. I think sometimes, yeah, we, we feel like 
where we almost owe that to people that we should share and say, this is what's happening and you need to know everything and people kind of expect that sometimes. But you can have your own private life and you don't have to share everything about yourself online just because you have this kind of platform that already exists, you know? Yeah, I completely agree with everything you're saying. I've, I've got four teenage children, so it is so hard to navigate social media. You don't get a break. And the message I try to say to, to my children or to anybody really, it's smoke and mirrors. You, you only see the good parts, the fun parts, you know, the, the best parts, the, the filtered face. And, you know, it's not exactly a, a depiction of real life. And um, that's really important to remember. I think we all really actually at our core, we, we all know this, right? But the more time you spend on social media every day, every second, you actually forget more and more that, oh, I should be taking this with a grain of salt. This is just everyone's highlight reel. So it's good to just switch off and have some time in the real world. Uh, and just remember how you communicate with your loved ones. That's how you should be communicating with people online with respect uh, and compassion. Now, we're going to change tack. We're going to come to some fun topics. The two of you have released a new adult product. Yeah. I really hate the term right sex here. toy adult Ooh. product. Yeah, I'll pick it up for us. From Voosh. Tell us about your product. Yeah, so we li literally just dropped Avalanche Toy July 18th. Um, so Dom and I have been working on this for nearly a year now. And it is one of a kind. Is this one opened? Oh, no, we haven't opened them because we're going to give these away. We're going to give these away, yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of a, a kind, uh, just like us. Um, it has... <laughs> Two a, of a kind. A world first, actually. It's got a gyrating tip. So, and we've got, I think, over five settings on this one. Um, the gyrating tip, so... It goes, so at the top, which we don't even on the outside, doesn't actually show you the shape of it. But it's like a twist, sort of rippled yeah. effect. And then at the top, it sort of goes like this, and then you can change direction. We know direction. we love this. All right, we love this. And it can go anywhere that you like. Um, can confirm, have used it everywhere, and it's fucking epic. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to throw a question to, to um, Bridget and um, to Eleanor. There's a lot of shame still around buying adult products. Here we are at LoveX. Australia's lifestyle, adult lifestyle expo, basically. Yet there is still a lot of shame. What can we do about how? How can we challenge that shame? Well, let's talk about it. Let's like get rid of this shame. It's like it, let's be sex positive. It's it's a it's wonderful to indulge in sexual pleasure, and it's really important to educate our younger generation that it's okay to want pleasure. It's okay to feel pleasure and dismantle that shame that, um, you know, uh, w wanting pleasure, especially as a, as a woman um, or, or many partners or lots of partners at the same time, whatever. Um, let's just, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I think it's so wonderful. Like, just being in this industry for the past five to 10 years, I've noticed that the conversations around sexual wellness are just growing and growing and growing. And we're seeing so much more representation of sexual health being an important part of all over health. 
um, more in the media and, you know, like Bush and like you guys bringing out this beautiful, amazing vibe and having these conversations talking about vibrators are a really wonderful tool for reclaiming your sexuality. I think a lot of us feel this inherent shame because it's kind of conditioned from childhood, from media, from school, from teachers, from everything. We kind of get this, we're marinating in this sort of stew of shame and we have to kind of pull and tear that away. We need to like pull apart those layers of conditioning that tell us that sex is bad or dirty or wrong and we have to learn how to reclaim that part of ourselves. And so using pleasure tools is such a powerful way to say, actually, this is for me and it's not for anybody else. If I want to share my sexuality with someone else, amazing. I can use a pleasure tool with them, but actually it starts with me and I'm allowed to, I have permission to explore my own pleasure, you know? Uh, Michelle, I've, I've got to throw a question to you because you and I have had conversations about men and adult products, men and, and pleasure tools. Do you want to... Yeah, I actually wanted to start more conversations about men and male um, toys because we, we have a lot of female toys here. Like, let the men, like, show them what there is available and... Um, show them that there's no shame like when men are asking us to use our toys give them a toy as well let's have mutual pleasure at the same time and have this conversation about male toys it's okay it doesn't mean you're single or you can't get a root it's actually just another uh, another facet of pleasure so like you know go the men's toys and if you want want to see some come to my booth and i'll show you how to use a male toy and Michelle, I want to pick up on that idea. Sometimes you don't, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be single or you can be single. You know, I say to people all the time, you know, when we were children, you know, we used to play with our toys and sometimes we'd play with our toys and create a fantasy. And sometimes we'd create, we'd, we'd use our toys and it'd be an adjunct to reality. And I don't see what it has to be any different when we actually grow up and we're no longer children. And I think, you know, that idea that toys are there for fun is the most important thing. Um, toys don't necessarily have to take away from from your partner, from from you know uh, uh, relational sexuality. So, question: Do you believe in love at first sight? I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna answer really honestly, uh, and I feel really bad saying this, but I actually don't because I feel as though you grow into love and you might have lust at first sight or you might be attracted to someone their energy or their looks or whatever but I think love grows uh, and that's just me being honest I'd like to believe in love at first sight I really would but and I don't believe that uh, married at first sight either okay I was thinking about this question uh, before actually is there a difference between love at first sight and the saying when someone says, you know when you just know? Because now I have a partner and now I'm like, you know when you just know? Because now I know. But I didn't love him at first sight. Okay. So is that about... It's a really good question. I, know, and I, I, I don't know that I... I, I was thinking about you yesterday when, I, when you first see them. It's like, like you don't even know... You haven't now them, I'm you like, Now I really you know. know, but it wasn't the instant... I think that love does grow and I think that, you know, the chemistry and all that sort of stuff, it can take time. And 
I remember growing up, you know, all my girlfriends, they would all say, there's just that spark. But I feel like the spark for me has always grown. With any experience I've had, it's always grown and like took a bit of time. So I, short answer, I don't believe in love at first sight. <laughs> and love is something that grows. Yes. What about for you, Michelle? Uh, I believe in love at first sight. Like, I think I'm going to get butterflies and just snow and just like, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. But I believe in the fairy tale and I'm just, yeah, it's just not happened to me yet. I don't believe in married at first sight, but I believe in love. Eleanor. I feel like I, we're all like a bit of a downer, but I, I don't know that I believe in love at first sight, but I think I believe in limerence at first sight. Yeah? There's uh, such a difference between love and limerence. Do you want to explain the love, the difference yeah, between love yeah, and limerence? Yeah, yeah, and feel free to like jump in. Um, limerence is that that kind of addictive feeling where you're like, oh my god, I'm addicted to this person, and you feel we we think of it as love, and like, oh my god, I fell in love immediately. I knew that they were the one after like a week. You know, we read these like smutty romance books, and they it all takes place in a week, and they fall in love and they get married, or. Or it's only a few weeks on TV and, you know, it's like, yeah, you're meant to be in love. But often that, that feeling is addictive and you feel like, I can't get enough of this person, but it's actually limerence. And it's what it is, is, yeah, chemical reactions happening in your body that are similar to an addiction. Well, it, yeah? it is. Limerence is that state when neither single, it's a liberate state, when neither single nor are we in a relationship. Is it yes. like lust? Is it like lust? Lust is, it, it is. And it's yeah. where our hormones, and what yeah. happens during limerence is our hormones actually align. Yeah. So we flood our body with a whole heap of dopamine, um, with oxytocin yeah. quite often because we're fucking like rabbits and having orgasms yeah. and ejaculations yeah. all That's over the place. How good does it feel? Um, there's endorphins. <laughs> and so there's all these happy hormones. And because we're facing each other, like yeah. you've got two people just focused on each other. I mean, we forget about our work. We, mm -hmm. we lose. We're distracted. Mm -hmm. We're just focusing on that person. Bridie and I were doing it this morning. And it was like, you know, <laughs> just focus for a moment. And if yeah. you turn, if you're with a partner or a friend and you want to turn to them and just look at them and consider them in a beautiful way as if they're attractive, a warm, a caring person, you can create that sense of limerence. Yes. But limerence is not sustainable and that's it's where not. it becomes addictive. And because people keep wanting that yeah. feeling. And that's why like, people think, oh, I fell in love and then something happened and it didn't last. But what, what we kind of mistake is you start off and you might have this addictive limerence period and then they, maybe that wanes but that's the moment where you can build and grow in love or it can fall out. And you go, oh shit, it all ended so fast. I was gonna ask, can limerence go to love? Just answer that. Yeah, it can grow. <laughs> can limerence last for a long time? Or is limerence like that, you know, honeymoon period of a relationship? Yeah. This yeah. is a new word, I love it. Yeah, it's really, really fascinating. Well, thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode of Sit With Us. If you enjoyed this chat as much as the girls did, let us know in the Facebook community group or on our socials. And until then, we will see you next Wednesday with a brand new episode of Sit With Us.